Welcome to Power of Memphis. I'm your host, Gail Jones Carson, the Vice President of Community and External Affairs for Memphis Light, Gas, and Water. The aim of Power of Memphis is to take you, our customers, on an inside tour of MLGW to share our programs and operations with you, our customers. And by doing so, we can all better understand how we function as your utility provider. On today's show, our first guest will be Karen Gog, who is the program manager with the Shelby County Emergency Rent and Utility Assistance Program. Karen will share with us the benefits of the Rent and Utility Assistance Program and what customers need to do to apply. And right after Karen, we will talk to MLGW Emergency Tech Vidal Catherine, who will share some cost-saving measures that you can do at home to conserve energy. So Karen, thank you so much for being with us, young lady. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, congratulations on your job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very proud of you, young lady. Thank you. So Karen, please, uh, first of all, we have the customer service agency, which we usually refer to as CSA. And so you work with the Division of Community Services, right? Yes. So people kind of get those two confused. Could you just tell us a little difference or or, or what the differences are? Absolutely. So Community Service Agency is a department within the Division of Community Services. Oh, okay. So So Community Services is an umbrella for several departments. Right. And CSA is one of those departments. Absolutely. And who heads up CSA? So Cherry Whitehead Thompson is the executive director for CSA. Um, and then we have Dorcas Young Griffin, who is Dorcas the division Young. director. Dorcas Young Griffin is amazing. Yes, she, she is. is amazing. <laughs> and so I'm always very proud of the work that she does. And so what else is under uh, Dorcas? So under the Division of Community Services, we have the Aging Commission. Oh. Um, we also have the Crime Victim and Rape Crisis Center. Okay. Uh, we have our Veteran Services Office, which you know provides support to veterans throughout the entire county. Okay. Um, and we also have the Community Engagement and Outreach Department, okay. which does community engagement and outreach. <laughs> okay. um, they are excellent people. Uh, and then lastly, we have our pretrial services, or Office of Justice Initiatives, which oh, so houses... Oh, pretrial is mm-hmm. okay. Yep, pretrial and our behavioral health unit. So we are a division made up of a lot of things, but we all find a way to come together and connect um, to get people what they need. So it's a county agency organization that serves people who live in Memphis and Shelby County. Correct. Okay. So um, the CSA receives millions of dollars mm-hmm. every year for utility assistance from the federal program LAHEED. And now you have some rent and utility dollars for the program that you're heading up. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference in folks applying? Uh, receive, can, you, can people receive uh, monies from both pots? How does that work? Yes, so CSA, 
like you stated, they have their own program where they have millions of dollars coming yeah. in every year. <laughs> and so while my program definitely has millions of dollars coming in as well, the significant difference is that my program is COVID-related. Oh, and so... So it's a new department. Yes, okay. yes. And so um, residents who apply for my program do have to show proof that they have had some type of financial impact due sure. to COVID. Mm -hmm. Whereas with CSA, anyone who is a Memphis or Shelby County resident can apply whether you have a COVID impact or not. So is that tied to income in any way, the CSA dollars? Yes. So both programs are actually income related. So there is a uh, cap that participants or tenants will have to meet or cannot exceed, shall I say, um, in order to receive the services. Okay, so your dollars are COVID-related. But say, if you have a cap on income, but say uh, you had a household uh, making $100,000, mm -hmm. uh, someone lost their job and the income goes down to $50,000, mm -hmm. would they be available or would that $50,000 exceed your income requirements so it all depends on household income so if we had a household where there are two people or say four people we tend okay. to use the, the household of four um so a household for four people typically comes out to about fifty four thousand dollars um in which your total mm -hmm, okay. in which your income cannot exceed okay so if we had a household where there are two people or say four people we tend okay. to use the, the household of four um so a household for four people typically comes out to about fifty four thousand dollars um in which your total mm -hmm, okay. in which your income cannot exceed okay so if we had a household where at one point they were making a hundred thousand um, say someone lost their income and say it brought their household income down to about 48000 Well, if it's a family of four, okay. um, then that would make them eligible for the ERA program. Okay, so we now have been going or dealing with this COVID-19 situation for almost a year and a half now. Right. So how many customers... Um, have you all service? Well, actually, what? How long has your department been in operation? Yeah. Then we can look at how many people you all have serviced. So the ERA, we came about real, real early in the year. Okay. So we first opened our applications March first of this year. So oh, merely okay. what four months ago. <laughs> so you're brand new. We are brand spanking new, um, and so. To date, we have served about, so the way I'm going to break these numbers down, mm -hmm. I break them down individually because it's just easier to do it okay. that way. Mm -hmm. So we've served about 3,000 households uh, in providing direct rental mm -hmm. assistance. Mm -hmm. We've served about 3,800 households uh, with utility assistance. Okay. Um, now, some of that probably intertwines and overlaps, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just easiest to break them down separately versus one household who received both. Okay, so when you started about four months ago mm -hmm. in March, how much monies did you receive? And, and the monies came from the federal government? Correct. Okay. Correct. So we received total. Now, one thing I should say is so 
the city of Memphis received a portion, and then Shelby County government received a portion. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was divided up. Right, okay. right. So Treasury, they gave us our disbursements separately. However, one thing you will see is that we promote our program together because it just makes more sense, yes. right? Yes. Um, and so total combined, we received a total of $28 million mm -hmm. um, that is to be used specifically for rent and utility assistance for Memphis and Shelby County residents. So is there a deadline on when these dollars have to be spent? So our deadline has been extended. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, and so we are now working with a new deadline of September of 2022. Oh, 2022, yes. not 2021. No, oh, no. Okay. Now, initially, that deadline for the $28 million was December of 2021. Um, but I think Treasury realized that, you know, we didn't get the funding until early February. Most programs and jurisdictions had a difficult time starting up the program, mm -hmm. so we just needed time. Um, and also to ensure we're good stewards of the dollars and really getting those funds to the people who need it most. Uh, it's hard to do that when you put such a tight deadline on a number that is so big. <laughs> Uh, 28 million is lost. So that 28 million was divided between the city and the county. Right. So the city received about 19 million. Okay. Um, and then the county, we received about eight, a little over eight million. So why was there such a difference in the amount that you received? Uh, so it has a lot to do with just the population. So the city of Memphis. We make up about 72%. <laughs> exactly. I was Memphis residents, yeah. it's a lot more um, yeah. people who fall in that pot versus when we talk about Shelby County. And one thing people don't either realize or just forget is that when we say Shelby County, we mean Arlington, Lakeland, Carrierville, you know, those municipalities that... Bartlett, right, Germantown. Right, <laughs> right. So, exactly. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, um, bits of Millington as well. Um, yes. And so... So our funding is to support those municipalities, oh, okay. although we can also, because we're Shelby County, we can also serve City of Memphis residents, but we also want to ensure that we have funding available for um, those residents who live outside of the city. Good. That, that's really good to know. That's, okay. That's really <laughs> good to know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, right now you have serviced 3,000 for rent and mm -hmm. $3,800. Do you know what those total dollars are? So total, we have spent about $11 million out of that $28 um, for those residents who we have assisted with rent and so, or utilities. So the $11 million that you're talking about is city and county? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we have about... So the city has expended about seven point five million okay. of the eleven, and then the county has expended about three point five. Okay. So, how long do you think it will be before you? Do you think you, the monies will be spent before the twenty twenty two deadline? Oh, absolutely. You do? I I I promise you, I do. <laughs> Actually, I know <laughs> the money will be spent. Well, let me ask you: most of the dollars that you have being used for rent or for utilities? So I would say overall, most of the dollars are being used for rent. 
Uh, one of the things about the ERA program is we are able to um, pay rental arrears for up to 12 months. Oh, great. And so uh, anyone who has suffered or uh, experienced the COVID impact from March 2020 to today, um, can qualify and you know we can assist folks in those months that they're behind um, and get it paid for them so we are seeing where people are you know roughly I don't have averages but if I just had to take a guess we're seeing where people are anywhere between four to six months behind on rent um, and so our average for about how much we're spending um, for customers is probably about three to four thousand well you know I, I'm really thankful and grateful to hear that these dollars are available for rent because I was so concerned that we would end up having so many people who are homeless who have not right. been able to pay their rent. Now, how is the utility assistance part working? Do they have to show their utility bills? Do you cover it for a year? Uh, how is the utility piece working? Yes, yeah, so utilities is the same guidelines. We can assist you uh, going as far back as March of 2020. Uh, we do ask for your utility bills so we can see that um, trend, I guess I would say, of where you started to fall behind. We also uh, do our best to prioritize people who have cutoff notices uh, to get them addressed first. Um, and so, yes, as long as a customer or an applicant provides the documentation needed that, you know, they are behind on utilities and need some assistance, um, we are able to take care of that. Well, Karen, uh, I want to thank you very much as we close uh, for sharing this most valuable information. And hopefully many will continue to seek you all out and um, get the assistance that they need. What number um, should customers call mm -hmm. uh, for assistance and how can they reach you all? Yes. So... We have a partnership with 211. Okay. And so if someone wants information about the ERA program, they can go online to our website, home901.org. That is where the application is. That is where you will find out information about the program. But a customer can also call 211, where they will talk with a representative who will you know, get them squared away and give them all the info they need. Oh, great, great. Thank you so much. And I'm just... Thankful for you coming thank on the show well, and showing this information. Today, Vidal, you're going to be discussing generator safety, how MLGW's energy doctors program works, 
pilot light inspection and how our customers can save with some energy tips. So um, let's start with generator safety. Well, with generator safety, one of the first things you want to know about a generator is uh, make sure it's dry. You don't want a wet generator, so the first thing you want to know is, is the generator is dry. You mean dry on the outside? Like it forced the condition, or it's not raining, uh, it was stored in the wet place, different things of that nature. Okay. And then the next thing is you want to make sure it's about 20 feet away from the home. If not, I mean, the farther you get it away, and make sure the exhaust is turned away from the windows and doors. Okay, so you said at least 20 feet away from the home. Does that mean you, does, do, does, do cores come with it that allow you to be 20 feet? So do you feed away or do you have to have electrical outlets? I mean, how do electrical so cores? There are several types of generators. Now, some homes have generators operated by natural gas. Okay. And that, once the power goes out, oh, it, oper gas. it operates the whole house. But what I'm speaking on is portable generators. Okay. So you would have to buy extension cords, most extension cords, from 50 to 100 feet long. But is that going to be long enough to, you said, you said make sure it's at least 20, 20 feet. feet from 20 feet. Okay, like, so then you can, okay. Yeah, so if you get an electric cord that's 50 to 100 feet, mm -hmm. then that'll work. That'll work. Okay. So that's most of the most extension cords come from 50 to 100 feet. Okay. And so that, it, the generator is on the outside of the house. It's on the outside of the house, and what it does is it produces carbon monoxide. It's, it's loud. It's very, you know, it's a gas. And so what you want to do is get that, you know, so it can be ventilated properly. Okay. So I've always been told not to have generators in garages. Is that accurate? Yeah. You don't want to use uh, a lot of people think that uh, they can run the generator in garage it's not enough you know air that carbon monoxide to take over the garage and start seeping back in the house so, which can be dangerous yeah okay so don't put the generators in the garage no. make sure the generators are a minimum of 20 feet from the home 20 feet from the home okay so um how expensive are generators uh you can get on the average generator started around probably 250 to 300 dollars now up to uh, forty-five hundred. Yeah. What's the difference? It depends on like portable generators stop at about eighteen hundred, and then when you want a generator to operate the whole house with uh, with, with natural gas assistance, it can be anywhere from forty forty-five hundred to ten thousand dollars. Do you need a generator to to to, to heat the whole house? No, you don't need a generator to heat the whole house because the heat runs off of 120. So a portable generator will allow a heater to work, but it will not allow air conditioning to work. Because, it won't? You know, air conditioning operates on a, what we call 220, which is high voltage. So a, a portable generator will not operate at uh, air conditioning. So it's hot in Memphis? Yes, ma'am. It's really hot in Memphis. Mm -hmm. If we have a power outage for a few days, which... Hopefully we won't. We've been doing good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if we did, yeah. what size generator would, uh, would our customers need? Uh... They 
they vary in size. It's one of the size you want to look for. Yeah, something. this for air conditioner. Yeah, you want to look for something about seven thousand watts or more, because most air conditioners run about thirty five hundred watts. So you want to get something about seven thousand watts or more, okay. because you got to understand most of the time if you're gonna put the air conditioner on, they also gonna gonna say they food. So the refrigerator does another twelve hundred watts. So. Um Food and air conditioning. Yes, ma'am. Real important. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so we need 7,000 watts. Yes, at least. Uh, at least. At least. Okay. All right. Um, so do you, how do you refuel a 7,000 watt generator? Now, one of the first things is you never add fuel to a generator that's operating. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's off. And you have to sometimes make sure it's cool because, you know, if you, while you're putting gasoline in it, it could at night. If the, you know, the uh, exhaust, if it's too hot, it could ignite the gasoline. So you want to put fuel in it while it's cool. So this regular gasoline that you buy at a service station, like you put in your car? Yes, ma'am. Now, over the winter months while the generator is setting up, you need to put a stabilizer in it. Or you make sure all the gasoline runs out of it. Just let it run to, to, to the cuss off. Okay. Okay, well, that's good information to know about having a generator. Uh -huh. How to operate it safely, right. how much they cost, <laughs> what size you need. So um, Memphis Light Gas and Water has an energy doctor inspection program. And they've had it for a long time. Yes, ma'am. And it doesn't cost customers anything, anything to use energy doctor. So tell us about the energy doctor program. The energy doctor program, it just comes in where we go into a customer house and do assessment of the house. Some of the things that we find out is a lot of the things is dealing with the heat in there. And some of the things come from uh, the unit is oversized, undersized, or the ducts are not uh, installed properly. And the other things are also human errors. One of the things is when you operate a thermostat, you put it on cool or you put it on heat, but on the other side, it needs to be on auto, not on. Oh, yeah, that's constantly running when you got it yeah. on. Yeah, so like if you heat in the house and you've got it on, after, after you heat it, the heat goes off, and then you cool it back down because the fan's constantly running. So that's one of the biggest things we find. We find a lot of people, uh, sometimes they can't, especially the older people, they can't see where the thermostat's at. And so they just work normally this way it's at, but it'd be on own. So customers, on your thermostat, make sure it's on auto, not on, because <laughs> it's constantly running, and yes. it's increasing your uh, utility costs, which is not necessary, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. And the next biggest thing is hot water leaks. Uh, customers don't understand why, because uh, water heaters are either electric or gas. And so when we do our preliminary, uh, before we go out to the house, we will see that uh, the gas and the electric is kind of up. But the water is too. So that tells us that it's a hot water leak. So we go into the home, a lot of times the bathtub or the sink's dripping, but it's costing you a lot more money, you know, uh, not to get that fixed. So it's the hot water that's dripping? Yes, ma'am. Not the cold so not much. Not the cold. So, and so that's coming from your hot water tank, right? Yeah. So what, what it is, hot water tank is a storage tank. And the more water you use, the more it has to heat up water because it adds more water in there. Okay. 
And so that's why the gas and the electric spikes up. And the hot water tank is like heating heat air is sixty percent of your bill. Hot water tank is another twenty percent of your bill. Oh really? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. So, um, long showers, long hot showers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ask customers to take a shower like anywhere under five minutes. Under five minutes. But we also uh, ask them to set their water temperature. That's important at 120 degrees because anything over 120 degrees is really like really scalding, but it's also oh, driving yes. the bill up. Oh, okay. Mm. But my mother loves <laughs> hot water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like your mother. <laughs> I like hot water. Okay, so how um, how can customers get an energy doctor to come out? Uh, they call our office, uh, resident, well, Energy Services now. Uh, it's 528-4188. And uh, we usually book a appointment. After they call, the secretary will take the information. And we, should, we usually respond to them within two, with probably a week or two. A week or two, oh, okay. Yes. So I do know that during the pandemic, uh, employees at MLGW who had to go to our customers' homes had started doing some of the, maybe some of the inspections were being done Zoom, virtually. Are, are you still doing uh, We virtually? didn't use Zoom, but we was using FaceTime. FaceTime, okay. If a customer had an Apple phone, we would use FaceTime. Oh, okay, so, so that we, was easier. We would walk customer. them around the house. Uh, then, uh, after a while, we would go into the homes. We had hazmat suits. Oh, okay. So now you are physically going into the homes to do the energy inspections. Yes, ma'am. So, uh, do many of our customers take your advice, take our advice? Uh, on the recommendations? Uh, most of the customers are surprised at some of the things uh, that we find and some of the things that are going on that they could have prevented, you know, when they uh, when we show them what, what, what's, what, what really happened. So uh, I think it's once they understand what's going on and get the knowledge, they're very, very happy and excited with the service that we provide. So, so would you say that many of the recommendations that are made are low cost, no cost? things that our customers can do to help control their energy consumption, ultimately reducing mm -hmm. their utility costs? Yeah, most of the recommendation that's made is the, the, the bang for the buck or doesn't cost them anything. It's habits. It's habits. It's thermostat settings, uh, water heater settings, because we go in some houses and they got the water heater 160 degrees. Wow. So it's cause of heating water all the time. Okay, so uh, as we come to a close, could you just give us a few tips for our customers to save on energy and also a number for them to call to make an appointment? Okay, well, the first thing is I want to say to our customers that the first tip is monitor your thermostat. Uh, you want to uh, limit the time you're, you're paying for heating air when you're not at home. So I, I would say uh, invest in a program with thermostat mm -hmm. and allow it to come home, you know, so you can heat and cool the home before you get, when you get home. Exactly. Okay, and the next thing I would say is monitor your temperature of your water heater. And, and and the last thing I would say to every customer, if you hear water running at night or a phantom flush on your toilet, try to get that fixed. That's a small, minor thing, but it can lead to a, a, a very expensive water bill. Hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So what number can our customers call to get uh, an inspection? You can get an energy doctor at 
Our, number, our office number is 901-528-4188. 528-4188. I want to thank you so very much, Vidal, for coming on and sharing all this valuable information for our customers. And hopefully they will get an expansion and they will soon see reduced energy consumption and energy costs. I want to thank our guests today for being with us watching Power Up Memphis. We will see you next month. Thank you for being with us. You're watching the Library Channel, a broadcast service of the Memphis Public Libraries and the City of Memphis. If you have trouble picking up WYPL in town or want to listen when you're on the road, you can now stream WYPL 24-7. Just visit memphislibrary.org slash WYPL and hit the play button to hear your favorite Memphis music programs and volunteer readings. Share the Pennies needs your change to make a change. You can help ease the burden of a neighbor in need of home weatherization repairs. Your small change is all it takes to make a big difference. You may choose to opt out anytime, but for less than $12 a year, why would you? I'm in. I'm in. We're in. For more info, visit our website or call 544-6549. All you have to do is care.